0: Welcome guys, once again, to the MMOs.com podcast. This is your double showing of episode 136. Last week we had some technical issues, and we had to call it early. So we're back, and we are going to maintain this episode number. Somar, so what do you think of that?
1: 136 is back, boys. We, kinda, we crashed last week, sorry about that, but this week should be good. We're, we're going to cover the stuff we're going to cover last week, and then some other good stuff this week, and let's jump right to it. Okay, so we'll start right with the weekly raid. We do, we have a
0: new weekly raid, uh, so if, if you want to know what last week's was supposed to be, you'd have to go to the site to see. Um, All right. So this week, uh, will subscription MMOs make a comeback? Now, I know it's a little bit of a misleading title because they never really went away. You know, the biggest MMO, uh, World of Warcraft, has always been subscription. But I Whoa, think
1: pause, pause. Biggest MMO is not World of Warcraft. It's actually Dungeon Fighter Online. Thank uh, you, sir. My bad, my bad, my bad, my bad. Okay. The biggest MMORPG in the West is still there you go. World
0: of Warcraft. But undeniably, we've seen a huge wave of free-to-play. And I think the ratio must, at this point be something like 50 to 1, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. the like, ratio, not only with the number of games we have in free-to-play versus subscription-based, it's actually free-to-play games make a lot more money than subscription-based uh, MMOs as well. So the ratio, you know, before it was all subscription, now it's much more free-to-play games. So I think make, making a comeback isn't necessarily misleading, you know? Yeah. Yes, WoW was still huge, but yeah, it's definitely gotten a smaller piece of the pie. Yep. And uh, so what made me think of this this week? Uh, you guys might
0: know that Rift actually decided to make a subscription-only classic server. Mm-hmm. And uh, Rift is not the only game that's done this. Allies Online has done this. And uh, even old games like EverQuest, which now have a free-to-play version, don't actually allow their free players to play on their popular progression servers, which use the old rule sets. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, a lot of games, old and new, are going turning back to the subscription model. And uh, oh wait, I think you did an article this week
1: about Square Enix and how actually mm-hmm. their subscription revenues are up. So you can start there. Uh, Yeah, uh, actually, somebody mentioned in our chat as well, he really liked how ESO handles their subscription model, and ESO is actually a pretty interesting example. It's worth mentioning, too, that a lot of the really popular MMORPGs in in the West are still either subscription or buy-to-play. There is a pay model for some of the most successful MMORPGs in the West. Not to talk about, you know, free to play, you know, M- no, non-MMORPGs. Those are all doing really well. But of the MMORPGs doing really well in America and Europe, they, they largely are still subscription-based games. And ESO is a pretty interesting example because it's a, you know, it's a buy-to-play title with a pretty low cost. And then if you really want to get into the game, you kind of do have to subscribe because you get all the content, all the, you know, for free if you subscribe. Otherwise, you have to buy them like in microtransactions. So it's a really interesting hybrid mix between like buy-to-play, free-to-play, and subscription with ESO. Mm-hmm. And I think it's worked really well in the West because they're the The store is not constantly ripping you off or making you feel like you're being nickel and dime for like pay-to-win nonsense. But yeah, I did my article on Square Enix. Square Enix, uh, for those that don't that don't know, released their earnings last night uh, in Japan. So now we can see how their how their numbers are doing. And I I like to follow Square Enix, Nintendo, um, Activision Blizzard. I think Activision Blizzard reports later tonight or tomorrow, so I'm gonna put the numbers up for that then. But uh, they have their the subscription revenues did go up. And go ahead and show you show those revenue numbers over here. The number is a little bit odd because they call it physical year 2018 Q3, but that's actually just uh, October, November, December of 2017. They reported $69.6 million in total revenue for MMOs. And MMO revenue for Square Enix comes exclusively from Final Fantasy XIV, Dragon Quest X, and Final Fantasy XI. There are three MMO games on the PC. And uh, those those numbers are pretty impressive because that period doesn't include the launch of an expansion. Whereas, you know, the big number in Q1 on that chart is from the launch of Stormblood, the expansion of Final Fantasy 14. So the fact that that number is is pretty close to that 9.3 billion yen, even though that doesn't, you know, there's no more disc sales, is pretty impressive. And they actually cited the fact that they have an increase of paying subscribers. So subscriptions for Final Fantasy XIV have been on the rise since Stormblood, and since we last heard from uh, the game's director, they're at all-time highs. So Final Fantasy 14 at least, is doing really well. It is the second most subscribed uh, MMORPG in the world, I believe, after World of Warcraft.
0: Yeah, I think that's fair. And um, so you tried to tease out which you know how many subscribers does Final Fantasy XIV have. It's a question that um, Square Enix won't answer. Mm-hmm. But if you are, uh, uh, I guess, a financial foo wizard, you can try oh, yeah. to separate the numbers from the three games because obviously Final Fantasy XIV is the biggest of these three yes. games. Yeah. But, mm-hmm. but exactly how big and how many? So we don't know exactly the subs. But I think
1: you gave an estimate, an uh, article, something like 1.5. I think is Yeah. It? it's about 1.5 million and i got that number by taking that basically they made 70 million dollars Square Enix made 70 million dollars in mmo revenue in the in uh in october november december those 3 months so you divide the number by 3 to get the monthly revenue they made about 23.3 million revenue every single month from their mmorpgs alone if you divide that by the number by fifteen, which is you know an average monthly subscription cost, you get about one point five five million uh, monthly subscribers. But remember, that number isn't perfectly accurate because it includes microtransactions. You know, when people spend mm. money in Final Fantasy XIV on Fantasias server transfers, that's included in the MO revenue figure. So that one point five five million number is obviously on the high end, and it also is d- divided by their three games. I mean, I don't think there are that many people playing Dragon Quest uh, Final Fantasy Eleven today, and there aren't that many people playing Dragon Quest Ten. Their most popular game is Finality 14. So if I had to guess, 1.55 million is, is the absolute high end. It's it's not realistic. Realistically, I would say Finality 14 has probably about a million subscribers is my guess, which is not bad. Definitely no. not bad. Yeah, that that sounds pretty good. Hmm.
2: Yeah.
1: Uh,
0: and I think I like what you said earlier. I think the the model that's going to work in America or the West is the ESO model, where it's uh, it combines you know buy to play for like a base game, like a base experience. And then a subscription for ongoing service that seems like that seems to be the winning formula i
1: think going forward oh definitely i think uh that's the model that resonates best with uh with americans at least on the pc on on the mobile front i think people are free to play is here to stay I, I don't see people you know paying money up front for an mrpg on mobile it just i don't think it's gonna happen they will pay money for stuff like minecraft mobile and stuff like that but mobile is, is free to play uh pay to win is, is the model and actually in the article i linked you I don't want to get distracted too much, but I think it's a pretty remarkable difference on how much money Square Enix makes from MMOs like Final Fantasy XIV versus what they make on on free-to-play mobile games. So if you want to show that chart real quick, you can see that from MMOs, they make 7.6 billion yen, which is about 69.6 million dollars in those three months. And that's, in that same three-month period, they made 21.3 billion yen from mobile games, which is about uh three times, close yeah. to three yeah. times as much money from mobile games as they're making from PC MMOs which is insane and the mobile game numbers are just are, are so big and the potential is gonna be so much bigger for that to rise so obviously square enix is going to be focusing their efforts on more and more mobile games though i don't think they're going to give up on final Fantasy 14. final Fantasy 14 still makes you know the mobile division makes 70 million dollars a month which is which is definitely no no chump change for per, per, per quarter rather it's not chump change and they're going to keep working on it but most of the new efforts will definitely go towards uh making more mobile games which is for us unfortunate because I, I prefer my pc games i've been playing a lot of final Fantasy 14 lately so been having a blast on that speaking of uh
0: mobile square enix i actually downloaded their new game they have a new game called opera omnia final fantasy Decidia opera mm-hmm. omnia so it's, it's quite a it's quite a mouthful but uh mm-hmm. yeah it's a it you don't it's not a waifu collector you don't gotcha for heroes you unlock the characters as you progress through the story uh mm-hmm. what you gotcha for is the equipment for the heroes so it's actually not. It's it's actually better than most of these like uh, mobile, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. I guess RPGs. It's not an MMO or anything, but uh,
1: it's free. So you know, if you like uh, Square Enix, give it a shot. Plus, it features all the characters from the Final Fantasy universe. Uh, I'm pretty sure all the city games do that. So uh, my my cousin was playing it as well. I just downloaded it. I didn't get a chance to play it just yet, but I'm gonna give it a try. You know, I, I do like trying these mobile games, even though for the most part they don't stick with me. Uh, I can really stick around and play them too long, especially the MMORPGs or MMOs. Uh, Arena Valor and other mobile games I can play a bit longer but we'll see how those do do you think Rift will be successful on their on their subscription server Uh, yes it won't be like a
0: blowout or anything but yeah I think they'll find a big audience for it I think it'll be their most popular server actually
1: wow I, I, is it because it'll be subscription based without the cash app or do you think or do you think it'll be largely successful due to the fact that it's going to be a progression server because we've seen progression servers, progression servers work really well for a lot of games I think both I think there is a big enough community
0: of people who actually want a game that's challenging. Um mm-hmm. cuz like Rift like every other game has dumbed down the game so much. Like I remember playing yeah. Rift when it came out. It was hard. Like you you weren't leveling like, you know, every 5 minutes. You were, you know, it took it took some time to like progress through mm-hmm. the world. I actually liked it back then. Um so I think there's like there's a group of people who want that kind of MMO experience. Now, is it is it big enough for a new game to come out? That's like the size of uh wow, probably not, but mm-hmm. I think a game like Rift, a small game, it will bring back enough old players. To be successful
1: cool and, and the fact that it'd be a progression server i think you might have some of the the content may maybe may feel difficult going through as it was because mm-hmm. what i find is a lot of these mrpgs final fantasy 14 included the new the content feels super easy because you get gear faster like you get current gear faster and you can kind of steamroll the new content whereas that new content was a little bit harder back when it first came out exactly yeah so every mm-hmm. expansion just totally like ruins
0: all the old leveling experiences you know even if you don't if even if like. Even if you play
1: through it now, it's just, I don't know, it's just, it's just weird. Well, yeah, um, while on the topic of uh, Square Enix, I wanted to just quickly say I- I've been playing a lot of Final Fantasy XIV, as you guys know. I came back for the new patch. I, I didn't quite clear the new content yet because I've been busy this last week. I- I- we had our cousins over visiting us, so not a lot of time on the PC, but I cleared uh, the first two raids of the new content. I'm actually super eager. Uh, for the first time in a long time, I'm super eager to just log in and, and just just do the new content. You know, like when you're in an MMORPG, when you're playing a game, it's it, it's something else. Because I feel like most of the time, you you and me both included, we kind of we talk about MMORPGs a lot, but really we super invested in the MMORPG. You know, we always want we're always chasing the high of being invested in the MMORPG, but you're not always there. And I'm currently there with Final Fantasy XIV because of the new content. So I'm having a lot of fun playing uh, FF14, and hopefully that feeling lasts a long time. Yep. Oh, when was the last time you felt that for an RPG? Was it Path of Exile for
0: you? Yes. But but some people, Stickler's not going to count that as an RPG. So, <laughs> okay, the first time, the last time I actually felt like I wanted to always keep playing, right? Like, like just, you know, 18 hours a day, sl- you know, sleep and eat and play uh, a game was actually the launch of Star Wars Old Republic. Mm-hmm. I got it the day it launched and I played it 12 hours a day. And i was you know racing to be the first uh you know max level person on my server i think i didn't get there but I, I was definitely in the top like
1: 100 people who mm-hmm. got to the top max level on my server so it was fun and this yeah the sign of camping the servers as soon as it comes on like that is a sign that you're invested in P G. Yes. that is the feeling that is the high that we all chase and it's unfortunate that with so many options it's kind of hard to stick with an mrpg people always feel like they can they can they can they can do something better i think there is a, this paradox of choice that we have talked about before, but just, we have too many options on the RPGs. A lot yeah. of these old games just need to die. Games like Wyd Global, we tried doing the Grindfest Friday for that game, but the game was such shit. And like it's it just launched on Steam like relatively recently, but like it's such a bad game. There are so many bad old RPGs that just won't die. They just they just refuse to die, and it's it's not good for the industry. I think. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if we want to fit this into conversation now or
0: or later, but I actually uh, found a WoW private server trailer.
1: That I thought was really it, amazing. It's worth sharing. I, I just saw it as well. It looks epic. I think Gumball's linked it to you. Yeah. That's worth that's worth uh, showing and talking about, because I'm actually kind of hyped to try that. Yeah. So, the, the, you, people,
0: a lot of people have to say, like, innovation's dead, right, in MMOs. Mm-hmm. They're all so similar. But there is so much going on in the private server scene for some of these games. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to show you a little piece of the, of this in you know, a longer video, and then we can talk about it. So, here we go, guys. Take a look at this bad boy. And maybe while the video shows hey, the background, right. you can... Kind of tell us what it's all about. Okay, so this is a private server uh, called Ascension, and they have several. They have they run several servers, and they're they. This is not just a private server where they copy you know what Blizzard did. It's it's you know they customize it a lot. There's no classes. Instead, you know you get skill points, and you can choose any skill from any class. You so you build a very custom character. I, and they even have a PvP server with full drop. So and then uh and free for all PvP. So there's no factions.
1: So anyone can kill you and take your shit. Hello, heroes. Welcome. Back. I actually can't tell you how hype I am to actually try that because the concept that they introduce, like first, you got the classes progression, which is kind of neat because I, I never even thought about that. Wow could do that, but you know, obviously the base game can't. So it's a modded version of the game where there is no set class. You can just pick the abilities you want for your character, and you pick stat points as you level up as well, which is kind of cool. There's no factions, and it's open world PvP. On mo- I think they have three servers. Two of them are uh, basically PVE servers, or there's no like there's no punishment for dying. And the one PvP server they have, you actually drop everything when you die which is such a cool idea. And it's actually an idea we've kind of teased about in previous podcasts because I think World of Warcraft is an amazing game. And the idea of applying full loot mechanics to World of Warcraft, I thought would be phenomenal because I think what, what one thing that really hurts a lot of MMORPGs is that there's so much garbage loot in MMORPGs, so much trash loot and like just trash gear, like green gear, like non-legendary, just, just like gear that's not good. And it, it serves no purpose. Like, there's no reason to even have it in the game because you just sell it right away or, or you're melted, you know, you're disenchanted. But in a in full loot world of Warcraft, those green gear, the green drops and the blue drops from dungeons will be valuable instantly because if it's a full loot game and you drop everything on death, if you want to re gear up, you, you have to use that green gear. You have to use the blue gear. And, and you're not going to be wanting to rock with, you know, you don't want to go to outside town with all your legendaries and all your epics if you're going solo. You know, you don't want to wear your good shit all the time. That's like when you're raiding with your guild. You know, you want to go outside town with the shit gear, with the greens. So if you die, you don't lose that much. So it's a balance between like how much stuff you want to have, what risk you're willing to take, and if you don't bring the right gear, you might be able to defeat your enemies either. So it's a really cool balance. I think I think it could work really well. It's like I think it's in testing right now with this and this ascension server, but that is that, that's phenomenal. Yeah, quick. and the quality
0: of like the the, the administration of, of these private servers is getting better and better. You know, when Omar and I were in the early days of the Ragnarok Online. Private server scene, you know, it was it was a free for all, you know, like the, the the GMS would just basically sell loot, you know. There's it was more pay to win than like actual pay to win games and all this <laughs> stuff. Chinese browser games, no way. <laughs> but uh, but uh, the quality on display here is is really impressive. Um. Uh. So another feature they have is, since you know you lose everything when you die, they want to make it easier to get equipment. So open in, in the open world, all level fifty plus monsters have a, ch- a small chance of dropping like you know like raid gear. Mm-hmm. so like you know you, you will be getting and losing gear as part of the experience it's not like you never want to wear a piece of gear just because it's like yeah. You know,
1: yeah it'd be easier to get better gear as well because yeah. you know random monsters could drop really rare gear as well but like what this kind of also kind of pines back into the, an idea i discussed in the past i think one of the reasons we're not getting a lot of innovation in mo's and just honestly in video games in general I, I i do think we have to go back to the model that gave us such amazing games like dota and, and tower defense you know the, the the idea that players can make maps the idea that The game company themselves aren't the only ones adding content whether it's player made content or more professionally made content i think game companies like blizzard should should create platforms for people to make to unleash their creativity and this is not like a pipe dream either because roblox proves that this model works i think roblox is a a perfect example of what can be done with a platform and letting anybody else make a game in that platform so the fact that these all these random people are making really cool wild private servers like these are ideas in in world of that you, you would never see from blizzard and it's not just Ascension. There's, there's, there's different rule sets, custom content, custom bosses, and all the weird WoW private servers out there that are just not in the official experience. But imagine WoW, imagine you made $15 a month to play WoW, and then there's also other servers you can play on. Like you play in Ascension, where they have all this full-loop bullshit, they have, they have a, you know, different servers made by other people, not Blizzard. But WoW still gets that $15 a month, and you can just put your own server on their, on their realm list. And maybe like, if people play on your server, you get ten percent of the revenue. That way, a, Blizzard can monetize this well.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say that. Imagine like you open up WoW and there's a server list, and it includes private servers like this. But when you, you know everything you spend in uh, on a server, like for like the cosmetics mm-hmm. or whatever, whatever the payment you know, process is, imagine Blizzard gets thirty percent, like Steam or something, you know, or like uh, so, or like an Apple Store or a Google Store. So imagine they get thirty percent from Blizzard, and then anyone can just make their own server. I think that, that would unleash so much
1: creativity. It would really make the entire Immersive like industry so much less stale, and like not just World of Warcraft, Final Fantasy XIV as well, right? Let players make their own realms, and, and 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 they can make some tools to make it easier too. Like the default tools would be like a vanilla server, like a regular bullshit server, right? Like that's the, that's the, that's the that's your your template, that's your canvas, and you can adjust things as you want. And obviously, not everyone can do this, right? To make a server like Ascension that my brother's showing in the video in the background, clearly these guys are making it know their shit. They're good programmers. They've been playing games for a long time. They have maybe some design experience, so. It would, it would unleash creativity like we've never seen before. The genre would go from instantly from stale to interesting. And Roblox proves this works. This is not just a pipe dream. Roblox is actually the sixth highest-grossing PC game in the world. Roblox made a whopping three hundred ten million dollars last year. That's not a, that's not chump change. That's like we're talking like CS:GO money, or like or like it made more money than Maple Story, Hearthstone. Well, Hearthstone only on the PC. Like it's one of the highest-grossing games on the PC. Roblox, and and that's a game you know most of us don't even talk about. But Roblox is basically just. they they made a a platform they made some art assets and people just make their own games within roblox there's like a shooting game built into roblox there's like platforming games built in puzzle games and just people make their own games within roblox and they charge money and then roblox the company gets a cut of that money so if if blizzard did this if finally 14 did this you know i I think the entire mo industry would be revamped we would get all those illegal private servers right now that are making no money for the game companies because i mean it's worth mentioning that when people play on private servers it does kind of deprive blizzard and Square Enix and these companies of potential revenue. I mean, that that's reality, right? It's happening already. They have to monetize it, and it would, it would enhance the player experience for everybody. Like, just let people play on these servers and make money off it. It's a win-win. There's no reason to stifle this shit, and it would actually reduce WoW's own development costs because if everyone ends up playing on these custom servers, they can worry they can make they can worry about the platform and just making better assets and let players create the content. I think that's the future of MMORPGs, and someone's got to do it. Roblox has done it. On, a, on like a browser game like way, but we haven't seen it done in MRPGs yet, and whoever does it first is going to make mad money. Yeah, and, and
0: let me pause this video for a second here. Uh, mm-hmm. A lot, a lot of, by the way, the the UI elements you're seeing in this trailer are are custom. You know, like these enchantments mm-hmm. and stuff they don't exist in the actual game. But yeah, yeah here's super data stats for uh, December 2017, and as you can mm-hmm. see, Roblox is number nine, guys. And as a Roblox is a really old and IMO, you know, like
1: dated and you know almost. A, yeah, you know, really old game. I'll, I'll leave it there. But uh, Roblox know. makes more money than Overwatch. Let that sink in for a moment. Roblox made more money in December than Overwatch, like this premier AAA game from Blizzard, which everyone talks about. But Roblox like does, barely advertises, and they're such a big success. You you can't undersell that story enough. It's it's a proven model. And just looking at this wow like this wow trailer for the project, project Ascension and all these private servers I've seen, it just seems like a no brainer to me. Mm-hmm. Like they have to monetize this and it's going to be a win-win for everyone it's crazy that they, that they don't well we'll
2: see there is one company guys kind of attempted to do this but i don't know if their platform is big enough to pull it off uh, i'm talking about legends of aria what do you
1: so- <laughs> i think your, your 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 voice went full kylo ren on us uh your mic totally messed up and now you sound just like kylo ren from, let me
2: uh, let me try to fix that while you. It's
1: actually you know, uncanny. It sounded just like Kylo Ren. Well, you have the weirdest mic problem. This happens once in a while. I'll thought that was actually the voice actor for for Kylo Ren in the new Star Wars movie.
2: Uh, I'm a Sith Lord, dude. <laughs>
1: all you need is those really high pants now, and uh, and those pecs, and you're good to go.
2: <laughs> let me just put on this trailer, and then I'll start fixing it. All right, let me find this trailer.
1: <laughs> it's actually amazing, though. <laughs> yeah, I'll uh, tell Mike does that, but holy shit. Kazin143, okay. uh, there's already a bunch of player-made content and most just not the top two and most don't do it. No, uh, Kazin, I would disagree. The only games I've seen it in is like, Legend of Aria is trying it. You've had Neverwinter try it. Star-, uh, Star Trek Online has tried it, but a lot of mainstream games have not tried it. And it's got to be done in a way where, where they have like full access to like server creation tools. It's got to be done the way that Roblox has done it. And we've seen the success. It's literally spawned genres. Like Dota emerged out of Warcraft 3's map maker. You know, we've had tower defense games popularized by StarCraft 1's map maker. I mean, player creativity and modding has created literally created Counter-Strike, the most successful like shooting game of all time. Counter-Strike was a mod for Half-Life. Like players can create more with their content than developers can. I mean, developers are very talented people, but when you crowdsource the development to millions of people on the games they love, they're going to create content that's better than anything else. Like, the biggest and most successful companies in the world are platform companies. Like Facebook is a platform. Reddit is a platform. Like these social networks are just platforms, and people go on there and, and create shit. You know that, that that's where the money's at. They got to do it.
2: Uh, speaking of the creator of Counter Strike, well, mm-hmm. uh, some some drama, some gaming gossip right now. Uh, I don't know. Did you hear him? He got arrested for uh, sexual abuse of a child child. What? Yeah, he's the a guy father. who created Counter Strike abused children. Yeah, he got suspended from Valve after he got arrested. And uh, he is facing uh, child sexual abuse c- cases.
1: Although that's a good topic to discuss with the, with the Kylo Ren dark side voice.
2: <laughs> he definitely chose the dark side.
1: <laughs> uh, wait, wait, which guy was it? Because there was a guy who, the co creator of Counter Strike, was, was what's his name? Something.
2: Okay, the guy I'm talking about, a uh, policing King County, Washington yesterday charged Counter Strike co creator, Jess Cliff, 36, with commercial sexual abuse of a minor. Accusing wow. him of paying a 16-year-old girl for sex, and recording one sexual encounter against her will. Whoa, that is uh, that's pretty intense.
1: Uh, the the counter the co-creators of countertrack are not doing well. You know, this guy's a for sexual exploitation. The other co-creator uh, is a guy named Min Guzman Lee, who uh, who co-created Countertrack and he made Tactical Intervention, the um, one of the biggest unbelievable flops in like free-to-play shooting games. A complete disaster. Uh, it's it was on Steam for a while. I think it's shut down now. I mean, Let me check if this is still around. You know, it's 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 been gone uh, as of October. But a tactical intervention was dead. This guy got arrested for this this nonsense. So it, it's it's a bad time to be the co-creator of Counter-Strike. Both of them.
2: Rip. <laughs> so I just wanted to <laughs> throw that in the story in there.
1: All right, Rip. You should totally you should fix that voice. Let's go back to normal, Altai.
2: Okay, I'll try. It, I'll try. It. Right, you go take the next story.
1: I'll take the next story. Uh, I, I I gotta I gotta hash it one more time. It's crazy. If you know, hear me out, Square Enix. Hear me out, Blizzard. You want to make some money? Open up your platforms to modding. Open up your platforms to, to, to creators making their own servers and monetize it. It's Test a it's it. a win win for everyone. Like, literally nobody loses. You know, especially if it's all within the the Blizzard launcher. It, it prevents private servers from being a thing as well. I think most would be willing to you know play on the official servers if they can play the custom content they want. Uh, we'll see if Legends of Aria can pull it off as well. We've seen, we're seen we seeing more and more PGs try this. I mean, Legends of Aria is going to attempt it, though I don't know how success, successful they'll be. They were called Shards Online before, and that seemed to be like their main spiel. When they were called Shards Online, the name of the game encompasses that main spiel of players making their own servers. But when they changed to Legends of Aria, they kind of went their route of, uh, of, of focusing on player-made, like the developers made content. So I, I think they kind of lost lost focus over there, and they're more of a traditional RPG now, and they say they're going to have some of the server-making stuff on the side as well. But I feel like they, they lost focus by renaming that. I I agree. Uh, I mean, Shards line kind of did tell you just from the name alone they're going to focus on that kind of content. But and, and we'll that say. name was amazing, wasn't it? Uh, also worth mentioning on this uh, on this super data chart as well. Hopefully that's still Is the highest-grossing uh, free to oh you're back to normal oh perfect. free to play in the world. They did about two point one billion dollars in revenue last year in 2017. I actually I actually submitted this story on uh, onto our League of Legends. And it's hilarious because almost everybody thought League of Legends was like a dead game. It's so bizarre. We've talked about this before, but I have to mention it again because I submitted it. Everyone's like, oh, I thought this was a dead game. What's happening, guys? There's a meme that everyone calls League a dead game because people, people are bizarre. They, when, when they stop playing a game... They kind of assume the game is dead, which is, which is totally not true. It's such nonsense that when you stop playing a game, it doesn't mean the game is dead. It could be dead to you and your friends, and you and your friends don't play, but the game is still huge. League is still growing by leaps and bounds. They, they did about $1.8 billion in 2016, and now they jumped to $2.1 billion in 2017. That's, uh, that's like a 15% jump or so, and I suspect the numbers only keep going up. I mean, League of Legends is still firing on all cylinders. The game is making mad money. Yeah, I, I just pulled up that uh the
0: PDF. Guys, we tried to talk about this last week, but we did get this you know, cut off. So here it is. This is what I was talking about. This is free-to-play games, um, top 10. So we have League of Legends at 2.1 billion, Dungeon Fighter 1.6, Crossfire mm-hmm. 1.4, and
1: those were the only three that were over a billion. So, yeah, uh, it's, it's, Dungeon Fighter line is still crazy. It's still making mad money. Uh, cro- I mean, one, two, and three in that list are all the same. I think the most remarkable on that list. I think Roblox again is killing it. MapleStory is still remarkably successful. 279 million dollars. You know, it's still one of the most successful you know MMORPGs in the world. Hearthstone is 270 million only because that number only counts PC revenue. I think more than half of Hearthstone revenue comes from uh, mobile. So if you count mobile and PC, I think they're around 500 million. So that game is insanely successful too. But Blade and Soul is is bringing up the number nine spot. at 178 million. I did not know Blade and Soul was that popular. I, I liked the game, but I had no idea that game made hundred seventy eight million dollars a year. Yeah, and I think this
0: is the value of these kind of stats. Because like you were mentioning earlier that people who quit league assume mm-hmm. it's like a declining game when it's mm-hmm. not. So for example, same here. I I honestly would not have thought Blade and Soul was like a top ten same. earner. But uh you know what? That's that's the stat. That's the stat. You can't argue with the with you know with with math. I
1: think mean, so many people were surprised to learn on our League of Legends that, that League was still doing so well. I think we all kind of live in our own bubble. Where when we stop playing a game, we think it's dead. I mean, I'm guilty of that as well. I know when I stopped playing World of War, in my mind the game was kind of dead because I'm not playing it. It got to be dead, right? But no, you know, you come back to the game, and realize, holy shit, there's a lot of people playing this game. You see the statistics; it's still booming. You know, WoW is definitely off their all-time highs, but it's still probably the the most successful MMORPG in America. I mean, these free-to-play games do really well in Asia, but for the most part, they're not that big, you know, in the West. I think I wish we had numbers on on um, Black Desert Online because that game is doing pretty well as well. But they're a public company now too, so maybe we'll get we'll get some North American data on them soon. I actually have a funny story. I won't name his name, but uh, somebody on our Discord was actually
0: actually thought that Black Desert Online was bigger uh, than World of Warcraft.
1: Come on, and, it's and so it, obvious. It's and not. like I when, I,
0: when I told him it wasn't, he didn't just take my word for it. I had to like link him a couple, you know, like stats and like you know, articles, and then he's like, he kind of reluctantly agreed. But that's a good example of like, and I'm like, why do, why, would, why do you think that? He's like, oh, me and my guild are playing BDO right now. I'm like, okay, that's a cool story, but just because you're playing something, <laughs> doesn't mean it's like the biggest game in the world all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that was, that was pretty funny. I
1: think what's remarkable was that uh, games like Grand Theft Auto V, after all these years, still make so much money. I think they sold $118 million worth of the game, but they made a lot of money in microtransactions as well. I think Grand Theft Auto V is like something like $500 million. In 2017, which is insane for such an old game now. Guild Wars Two made this list as well. Actually, I mean that's a game that's very. I mean that's a game that's popular exclusively in America. I don't think Guild Wars Two is is that even around in like Korea and China. Like I don't think anyone plays Guild Wars Two in China, in Asia. But that game did 87 million dollars in revenue uh, in 2017, which is you know it's not bad. It's not bad. It, it was it was the eighth highest uh, grossing premium PC game, you know, buy to play PC game of the year. That was do their expansion. I'm
0: always amazed at how uh, Counter-Strike breaks down. And I have a good Counter-Strike story uh, later in the podcast. But mm-hmm. but this game is, you know, pay-to-play, uh, or buy-to-play, I should say. And and they are constantly selling copies. You know what I think it is? I think it's hackers. I think hackers buy Counter-Strike, they get banned, and they just keep buying copies. I bet you, like, you know, the, the, hacker, you know, the average hacker who got banned has, like, at least
1: 10 purchased accounts.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So I think that's a really boosting the numbers here. I mean, I think you you mentioned in the pregame, uh, PUBG banned like over a million hackers in la- last month alone. Yeah, that's thirty million dollars worth of revenue. That's insane. And and you know what they say? They say, hmm. even though they banned a million people in
0: January twenty eighteen, they say the hacking problem is getting worse, not better.
1: Holy shit! So the,
0: so the the rate
1: of bans and the rate of hackers is going up, not down. Isn't that crazy? That, that's insane. Holy crap. People got to stop hacking. You know, I, they actually made it so I think um, no program in PUBG can hook onto the game now, which created some issues because there were some um, like there were some some programs that made the graphics better. I think it was called Reshade, made the like the shading and it made you know improve the game without hacking. But that doesn't work anymore because it hooks onto the game. You can't even launch PUBG if you have programs that hook onto it. So that that's a kind of like a their their solution to fix this. We'll see if it's successful or not though.
0: Honestly, I think they should do what everyone, literally everyone in America and, and Europe is asking for. They should region, region lock, lock region yeah. lock China out of this. Yeah, I think, okay. I think, I think there's one reason they're not doing it. Hmm. If they region lock China, they would no longer be number one. I think on like the Steam lists. That's true. It would lose a lot of uh like cachet, like hype. Yeah, the hype would kind of like fizzle. Mm-hmm. I think.
1: If you go, if you scroll down further in this list, page 19, they they have a. Uh, the top esports games by viewership in 2017 uh, i don't know how they're calculating these but apparently pubg's got 102 million viewers for esports is that just viewers or esports viewers I, I don't know that, that that just seems like people that watch it on twitch maybe because there's no way the pubg tournaments get that, those kind of views there's only been a couple anyway i think these are just overall viewers there's no way these are esports the esports games by viewership yeah these are overall viewership yeah so pubg took that number two spot which is pretty crazy
0: where is Fortnite on this list? I think Fortnite is gonna b- b- kaboom on this list soon
1: this year. I think so too, for mm-hmm. sure, for sure. Fortnite is I, I I've played more Fortnite lately than PUBG myself. Mm-hmm. Me so. too. Yeah, so it's it's working for me. I'm enjoying it. Yeah, that's that's this the year in review. They didn't have the they didn't have the numbers for World of Warcraft revenue, but if you look on SuperData's homepage, you can see where World of Warcraft kind of ranks amongst all those other games, and some of the paid no pay to play games. I, I want to talk quickly about the um,
0: – back to crowdfunding or, or the player-made mm-hmm. content. So I think yeah. B, BDO is doing a really good job at this in a, in, a, in an odd way. So I, I put this up yesterday. I thought it was really interesting. Mm-hmm. So Black Desert announced a $10,000 costume design contest. So Whoa. if you design a con- if you design a costume and submit a uh, – Submission start on February 7th, which I believe might be tomorrow. Yes, tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So if you design a costume, you submit it. You could win $10,000 in cash or wait for it. You could accept
1: your prize in in-game pearls. Okay, hold on. If anyone accepts the $10,000 in in-game pearls, I got to slap you. Okay. Hold the fuck up. Just get the cash. And if you want to buy pearls, buy the pearls. And there's usually a better deal anyway cuz if you buy like $100 worth of pearls, you get like a, you get bonus pearls anyway. If anyone takes the the non-cash prize, you deserve one of these. Right? <laughs> a hard one. Yeah. I agree. But I think it's a really cool idea
0: and um uh, I know, Omar mentioned we had cousins over last week, and you know they're both mm-hmm. girls, and one you know one of them um obviously girls like clothing and shit, right? So when they saw the story, they're like they were so excited, and I actually launched Black Desert online, and mm-hmm. one of my cousins spent like an hour creating a character, and they had a really good time with that. So I did think
1: you, did you take a picture of it?
0: Well, I mean, I I, uh, I created the character, so I can I can sh- I didn't take a picture though.
1: You you, you got you just submit it to the contest, and if she wins, you gotta give her ten thousand dollars. You know? No, no, of course, is, with your fifty
0: percent commission. This isn't a character creation contest. Oh, oh okay, okay. You have to actually it's open up Photoshop and make a new, your own costume. Yeah, yeah. But mm-hmm. but the fact this got her excited about the game. I don't know if she's gonna play it or not. But ten thousand dollars is not bad money, and Good you know if you know how to use Photoshop, I you know go ahead make something. You know, I mean, who are you gonna be competing against? you know you know gamers not like professional art studios right so yeah if anyone are listening you know uh is you know enjoys this kind of stuff you know fashion photoshop i think it's a good chance to make 10g
1: what's remarkable too is i think a lot of people are gonna see this and they're gonna be like oh ten thousand dollar prize pool all these pros are gonna apply i'm not gonna bother but like dude just just submit your con- like just try yeah like a lot of people don't even try on these contests but like if you have if you have photoshop skills just it costs you nothing to try and it's good practice and there's a chance you can win so i say just go for it cuz think of all the people that just are not going to try because they're too intimidated or they think they're not going to win but you got to got to go for it yo know? i agree i think it's a great opportunity great opportunity for um aspiring
0: graphic designers
1: and you know we're talking back to the, the player created content you know we've seen valve embraces to a degree with player made skins in uh in Dota 2 you know yeah. they've tried this at the steam marketplace and i think you know, it it's led to the creation of a lot of content, right? Yes, yes. Do they still, do, do they use that model for CSGO or is that just for uh, Dota 2, do you know? That's a good question. Uh, I don't know. We if don't anyone... play a lot of CSGO, that's why. Yeah, so yeah that's why I'm asking. Yeah. Uh, you know I what, mean, if I had to work. guess,
0: I would say yes. I, I would guess that they also outsource um, the skin designs to the community.
1: It's such like a bizarrely good idea. And it seems like there's like no downside, right? Like uh, play devil's advocate for a moment. And, and, and what is the downside? Of, of outsourcing your content, like whether it's skin design or whether it's simply the server list in World of Warcraft or the, the server list in Final Fantasy 4. Like, what is the downside of doing this? It seems like such a good idea. It's such a win-win. Well, not
0: a downside, but I would say I do think it needs a lot of moderation. So I think of course, ultimately, of course. ultimately it should not be a free-for-all where anyone submits a design and then mm-hmm. players vote on it and it gets in the shop. I really think there should be at least one guy at the company who yeah. kind of filters out stuff. And that applies to Black Desert as well. They specifically said they are not going to accept any design with any kind of violent imagery, like any mm-hmm. symbols that are like violent symbols. Uh, and you cannot show uh, underboob. Side boob is whoa, okay. Whoa, 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 whoa. Hold the fuck up. Why no underboob?
1: Well, they don't want anything too provocative. That, Wait, don't yeah. They have, don't they have skins in the game with underboob by, by by default. They they literally sell lingerie in Black Desert, guys. So Wait, but you can't show
0: underboob in the skins you create. Yeah, I uh, makes no sense. I guess they don't want to encourage like underage people to like design sexual content. I don't know, but that's so weird. The full rules are on the site guys.
1: As you can see, uh, please do read them so you don't get your thing disqualified. So th- this is another reason I, I don't think MMOs are dead. There's still a lot of untapped potential out there. And we, we know we talked about the constant dying MMO. Everyone still kind of thinks in the back of their mind that MMOs are dead, even in the West, but I still don't think it's true at all. If you look at the total number of people playing MMOs, uh, today versus like 2003, 2000, even 2004 with the launch of WoW there are more people playing in more specifically. More people are playing RPGs today than they were in America and Europe than they were back in 2004. Mm-hmm. O- the only problem is there's just so many more, and more RPGs, you know. You have a couple, you, know, you have 1000 players online in like some of these obscure anime RPGs. You've all the private servers for like Mu Online and crap. They're, the player base is much more diffused, which is why I think um, these games feel dead. Another problem is when you have so many games, like there are literally hundreds of free to play MRPGs out there, and, and they shut down like every other week. Like some games shut down all the time. And when you see an MRPG shutting down, you're like, oh, looks like MRPG is dead. Like this game is shutting down. Like back in the day, games didn't really shut down. Like there was Ultima Online, there was EverQuest, Dark of a there were these these juggernaut games, they were all around. But now when you're bombarded with news of games shutting down, and when you don't see the player base, like huge player base numbers on Steam charts, it seems like the genre is dead. But the reality is the player base is much more diffused. I mean, I, I also think beyond that, I think. Whoever figures out the player-made content in, in an MRPG first is going to revitalize the genre a lot. Because I think, I think there's 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 huge pent-up demand for an MRPG. Everyone's looking for that next big game, and it's MRPG still get a lot of hype by people.
0: Yeah, and you know what? It's funny, but in a way, I I kind of don't mind it when like some of these older, smaller games do shut down, because it kind of forces at least a certain percentage of those players to move on to a newer game. You know, we can't just ha- keep adding filters. You know, we got to move these players to, to new games.
1: Uh, I guess Primes said there's no hype around MMORPGs. It's all about making Battle Royale games and bankrolling. Uh, yeah, Battle Royale games like Fortnite and PUBG are making mad money. But I do think they're... I think... I still remember when, like, Trio Savior first launched. Like, this is, like, a Korean M R P G, right? Like, the amount of hype was through the roof. Like, the number of people that logged in day one was, like, uh, probably over 50,000. And more, like... And, and people couldn't even get in. Like, it was so unplayable lag like, and they got like 50k people in or something maybe even higher but i think even black desert when that game black desert is still doing really well but, like there's a lot of hype for more i think when a new like, i, I think there's a lot of hype for like ashes of creation and like these bullshit crowdfunding games right but when, when a real and no. is announced, i think there's hype
0: for it i think the fact that all these games can raise so much money without actually showing anything
1: yes that, too. that that's actually true.
0: shows that there's a lot of demand you know like mm-hmm. otherwise you couldn't get all this you know all these random projects to get funded
1: that's true. I mean, it's hard for a game, like normally for a game to get millions of dollars in funding, you have to show, like, you got a good team, you know what you're doing. But no, these games are raising millions of dollars. Oh, like Star Citizen as well. Like, how is Star Citizen so hype if MMOs don't have any, like, if people aren't hyped about MMORPGs and MMOs anymore? Like, there is a persistent world element in Star Citizen. And that, I would argue that's one of the the, the the selling points. At least that was my initial, you know, interesting point for that game. I think there is hype for MMOs. It just, we're, we're in this really big lull period because every more we've seen, more we've seen have been basically copies of each other, like different skinned versions of World of Warcraft. I mean, in reality, my current favorite MRPG Final Fantasy 14 is kind of a reskin World of Warcraft, which is different colors and different mechanics. But I love it a lot. But we do need to see something different and innovative eventually. And Lost Ark, like the amount of hype for Lost Ark is is pretty high. I think Lost Ark has remained one of our highest-rated games on MOS.com by player base it's been on, i think our top 10 for a long time actually i think they just fall out there now yeah i'm not seeing it right now on there but for like for years and that game isn't even out yet people are hyped for this game they're giving five star ratings on our site even though it's not out yet but people are hyped for it i, I never got that people are so funny that people give five star ratings to a game they haven't obviously not played they're loyal that loyalty you know it's this weird sense of like this is my it's going to be amazing i'm, I'm giving you five star ratings now i'm hyped to play it now people do get hyped for these games i think Lost Ark is a good example, too, and I, I'm hyped for it as well. I want to play it. I'm hyped for Peria Chronicles, you know, from when I've seen those original videos, it just seems awesome. But uh, I try to dial back my hype. I think I think my, my hype is more moderate than most, because I, I try to look at things from a realistic angle, and when I when I see, like, bullshit from crowdfunding games that promises the world, I'm very pessimistic, because I don't think they can deliver on that. But at least, you know, when Nexon teases something, generally, they have the financial resource to make it happen, you know, and they've released games before, so even if Peria Chronicles doesn't live up to everything, it, they're going to have something in there never happened in chronicles maybe it's around maybe I, I hope that's not the case though uh Taz, good point I think sea of thieves could introduce a lot of people to the, the the persistent elements of MMOs, you know get more people into the genre that's true and you
0: know I initially thought the the fact that it was designed for Xbox as a negative for sea of thieves mm-hmm. but you know what in hindsight it might actually help because there's a lot of obviously you know console gamers and if they get used to the kind of the, the MMOs concepts in sea of thieves mm-hmm It'll, it'll help.
1: And also, be, it'll be cross-platform, so that's fine, too. All right, There's a big story we have, we have to cover as well. Two big stories. Let's talk about MapleStory first, actually. Okay. Because uh, they're showing down on the free market. Uh, that, in and of itself, isn't really too big news. I mean, if you play MapleStory, it's been a part of the game for a long time. And a quick recap. Uh, the free market in MapleStory is basically the place you go to, to, to hawk your goods. It's basically just a dedicated area where buyers and sellers meet, and it's where you spam, you know, uh, selling work glove plus 10 plus 10 work love, at sign, at sign, at sign, at sign a million times. And you try to find somebody to buy your goods. So um, that's and that's going to be pushed away towards a more auction house system that we've seen most modern games do.
2: Yeah. And what I enjoyed about the story is uh, reading
1: the Reddit well, post. Welcome uh, back, Kylo Ren. Oh, no. Oh, uh, it's fine. Continue with Kylo Ren for now.
2: Okay, I'm Kylo Ren right now. So mm-hmm. the good, the beauty of the free market uh, in MapleStory was... That it was it wasn't controlled. It was players just yelling at each other, but you know, hawking good like a bazaar, right? Mm-hmm. And I read a Reddit post on the Mip Story subreddit, you know, and one guy was actually like, What's the big deal? Like, this is so stupid. It's you know, I'm glad they're getting rid of it. Like it's it, it was it was pointless. They didn't it, it was very inconvenient convenient. It took a long time to find something you were trying to, you know, buy. It took a long time mm-hmm. to sell something you're trying to sell. But the problem is the whole point of an MMORPG is like the, kind of the inconvenience you know you have, you have to run from point a to point b you have to find a party to do, do the dungeon you know you have to hawk your goods if you if you streamline everything you know dungeon for queues auction house you know t- instant teleportation auto walk it's not it's not a game that, you know it loses the whole purpose of being an mrpg you know like you, there's, there's no um cohesion so honestly i really think an mrpd to be successful or immersive has to have some inconvenience built in it's a feature in- inconvenience is a feature, not a bug.
1: And sure, off that video I just linked to you on, on on our podcast chat. I mean, this is yes, I agree. It's inconvenient, but at the moment you streamline all the shit, you end up with a uh, Chinese pay-to-win browser mRPGs RPGs, and we don't want that. You know, like that's not what we want. And there is something to be said about that waiting period, the inconveniences. It, it it makes the MMO an MMO. You know, it it, it developed it, it fleshed out those social elements. And even like one step at a time. Like I think when you auto walk towards quests, it's not good. I mean, I, I, I've used that feature in a lot of games, and I feel like, oh, you know, I can click on this button to run to my quest location while I take a shit, while I take a piss. Maybe, like, while I'm auto-running to where these monsters are. I don't think it's good, because every game I felt very invested in never had that, you know? like I, I, the, the, the quest menu should show you where the quest is, and you should have to run there on your own. And I'm going to say right away, I don't like auto-pathing anymore, because the games I've liked the most, games like World of Warcraft, Final Fantasy XIV, they never had that. MapleStory as well didn't have that. But I think now there's like an auto guiding system where it like kind of give you an arrow where to go, which I think is more fine. But the games that make you make it too convenient are a no go. And those are the it's been hard to get invested in those games. And the whole buying and selling process in and of itself is interesting. You know, there was there was a level of skill involved when you when you went to the free market and you came out a winner, you know? Where you were able to buy an item, flip it for more on one end of the market. Like, that was a part of the experience. Yes, it wasn't the most efficient system the way an auction house would be. But it's a process, you know? It, it made the world feel alive, you know?
2: And I'll, I'll give you another example that I think you can relate to as well. So mm-hmm. while well, I'm telling the story, where you think quest, okay?
1: Okay, so, I'm thinking EverQuest.
2: I was playing Witcher 3 recently. And that game, you know, has an open world-ish. It's But it puts a mini-map. And mini-map, like, tells you where you're going, right? Like, it's like a dotted mm-hmm. line. So what I found is when I'm running between quest objectives, right? Because it literally tells you where to go to get your quest objective. I wasn't even looking at the world. I was looking only at the map, right? Mm-hmm. Now, in, the, in in Morrowind, uh Elder Scrolls 3, and in games like EverQuest, where there's no map, if I want to get to a dungeon, right, the way I would get there is okay, I go left until I hit this big boulder, then I make a right and I keep going until I see the road, and then I'll go up the hill and it's there.
1: There were landmarks that you created and you saw, like you, the world felt alive because the world you meant would, something. Yeah,
2: anything. Mm-hmm. To me, the world in Witcher right now, it, it's literally nothing. It, it Might as well just be a grid, like with no graphics, because I'm not even looking at it. I'm literally just looking at the mini map on the top right, right, with the dotted line and mm-hmm. the, the trees, the hills, they mean nothing because I, because they get in my way. If I if I actually tried to look at the world, I would it would take longer to get to my destination because the, the, mm-hmm. the dotted line is telling me where to go anyway. But if those dotted lines weren't there, like in Morrowind. The world you would actually have to learn the world. You know, you, your sense of geography and, and your sense of place would be so much stronger. Uh, so it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's a shame that
1: so many games today just don't do that. All right. You fix your mic, and I'll talk a little bit more about this. Okay. But And, and somebody mentioned scamming as well. Obviously, I think scamming is one, probably one of the reasons that Nexon decided to get rid of the free market and push people towards using the auction house. Because obviously, there was always a problem where people would uh, scam each other. And that's always more possible when you have a, like a trading system that you have in Mabel Story Because you could always like show an item in the trade menu... And then like the deal is about to go through, you click cancel, and then you open the window again, saying you lagged, and you put zero in the in the transaction. So instead of like hundred million mesos, you only give him ten million. And if he's like feeling lazy, he doesn't realize that. So it was very easy to get scammed through the free market. I mean, they could have made the interface better for that and maybe reduce scamming that way, but I think we are losing something. And it's not just a Mimble story, because this is really an end of an era for a lot of MRPGs I don't think any modern MRPG has this kind of system anymore it's almost exclusively the the auction out system and i do think we lost something with that because there's so much more you could like in ultima line for example there was a really interesting like, commerce in ultima Online was interesting because you could always hawk your goods at town there was never an auction house. you you, you can go to town or if you want to look for an item to buy you had to, you, you would leave that like, you go to a busy town like uh like like britain and you would leave town and, and the houses right outside the big cities were like Vendor malls where people would like they would, they would hire NPCs to sell you their goods like in an in NPC format. And like it would almost be like shopping in a mall and window shopping to find the gear you want. you know it was finding the gear you wanted and the items and the rares and the ores and the crafting resources you wanted became like a, a search. It became a, like a journey in and of itself and you it, usually you can always find it right away because those, those vendors near the big cities, the houses next to the big cities, they had vendors like dozens of NPCs selling goods, player goods. And you could find your resources there, but typically those are more expensive because they were in a prime location. If you were, you know, if you ran in the middle of nowhere looking for like vendors and, sh- and malls in the middle of nowhere, you could find better deals. And that that whole process became interesting in and of itself. You know, for the players that just wanted to not give a shit about it, they could just pay a little bit higher price and do it. It's, it's no big deal. But it made the world more than just this this efficiency system. You know, when it's purely efficient, you, you lose so much. Yep. And I think this is it's it's the end of it. You know, because Ultima isn't that popular anymore. Free market is dead in MapleStory. R- r- Okay, I want to kind of try to tie this into a new concept. Is, is my voice mm-hmm. better, by the way? Yes, you're back to normal. Okay.
0: Bye, Kyle Ran. A few people in chat have mentioned this, and I think it's a very important point. So like you said, I think the main reason they got rid of the uh, free free market mm-hmm. is the scammers and the hackers and the weird activities, right? Mm-hmm. But this is part of the reason. That, this is what makes it so amazing, MRPGs, the kind of social interaction. And yes, bad things happen, right, if you allow total mm-hmm. free reign. But at least they happen in a game. And they can teach you things about the real life without without you having to suffer in real life. Mm. So, it's, so what I'm trying to say is it's better to be scammed in MapleStory, right, than scammed mm. in real life. Of course. Because you learn social cues. You learn what to look for. You learn what kind of conversations lead to a scam. Like, you know, get rich get rich overnight. You know, give me all your money. I'll double it. If you fall for that in MapleStory, you are less likely to fall for it in real life. And, and people do fall for it in real life. Those,
1: those it Niger- <laughs> happens all the time.
0: Those Nigerian scams where they're like, give me $10,000, I'm going to give you back a $10 million, you know, People people fall for it. That's why they keep doing it. Mm-hmm. So this this idea of trying to make the whole you know virtual world sterile and like safe, I think will backfire. And I I'm going to bring up a story that kind of ties into this. Right. So this is an article I read on Polygon, and you know it, it makes some good points, but I fundam- fundamentally disagree with the argument. So the the title is "Heroes of the Storms Voice Chat Would Hurt Minority Communities." What? What? Okay. So, here's the storm is thinking about adding voice chat, uh, and this 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 pro player or this good player, I'm not sure if he's on a team or not. He is um, he he considers himself part of the LGBT plus rich community, okay? So, right. so, so, okay, so I assume he has some kind of. I, I guess maybe his voice sounds low or high, one way or the mm-hmm. other, right? So he sounds gay, I guess. I don't know what he means by this, and he's you know he gets he doesn't want to get harassed when he talks. I get that, you know. But here's what I'm trying to say. It's not like this guy can live in his house, right? He has to leave his house. And if he learns to deal with interactions in a safe space where they, the guy on the other side of the screen being a bully or whatever can't hurt him, right? They can't reach into him. Like, they can't punch him right through the screen. So if he learns how to interact with humans that he will have to deal with anyway in the rest of his life mm-hmm. on the Internet, I think we can, it can only help him in the rest of his life. But if, if, if he can't speak or, you know, see people or interact with people online he might not learn to deal with these you know situations properly in, in the real world so i think it's a silly argument i think it'd be i think he and his community would be much better served if they learned to deal with this kind of bullying whatever i'm not encouraging bullying by the way but i'm saying if 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 it's inevitable that they to a bullied, it's better to be bullied online where you can't actually be hurt where you're not actually facing a real person and learning to deal with it it's kind of like the it's kind of like if you're afraid of bugs, you know, like you just you just watch videos with bugs, right? It's like a primer to get used yeah. to it, yeah.
1: But I, I don't understand this fundamental problem. I mean, he's trying to say that if they add um, if they add voice chat, he's in, like people that are LGBT or you know are, are going to be disadvantaged because people they're going to be made fun of. Yeah. But It's almost like most a lot of players they want voice chat because it's to enhance their gameplay, right? Exactly. So he's basically. saying... You're get fuck your gameplay because I'm gonna feel like I'm being marginalized. Nobody should be allowed to have this thing. I mean, I'm not trying to diminish the fact that he probably will be made fun of if he talks that way because I, I don't think you know people online aren't very mature and it's video games and this obviously happens. I'm not going to say it doesn't happen, but like you said, get used to it in online gaming. You know, like if you if you gonna, you're gonna you can't hide your voice in real life anyway. If you can hide it, hide it online as well. But like you have to talk to people IRL. It makes no sense to just say. We have to close our blinds. sure so nobody can talk. This is a, it's not a solution. I mean, don't inconvenience everyone else because you are afraid that you're gonna be marginalized. People are already using voice chat in these games anyway. And I, to say like, when a game starts in a high tier elo in, in in like in in, um, in League of Legends as well, people will just drop Discord links. Be like, okay, everybody get on Discord. We're playing to win. You know, yeah. this happens in Hots as well. So like, the idea that th- this is nonsense. Th- this problem preventing Blizzard from implementing voice chat isn't going to fix anything. It just it's gonna make the, the game better for the for everyone, you know, I don't know. And this guy doesn't have to participate. If he doesn't want to talk in voice chat, he doesn't have to. Just turn the fucking audio down. You know, well, don't turn the the voice chat down.
0: His argument for turning just turn the voice chat off is if it's a feature, uh, in the game, people mm-hmm. are gonna be mad at him for not using it, and they're gonna keep. Like, for example, he makes an but example.
1: Then in, in Discord as well, you can drop Discord links in these games that people do. Exactly, exactly. Let's say
0: you're really high, like top fifty, yeah. right? And you're in a pub, even if you solo queue. I think the first thing that's going to happen, even in, in a game without voice chat, is like you said, they're going to drop Discord links. It'd be like, you all better join or else we're going to fucking lose, you know? So mm-hmm. you're going to be forced into it anyway. And this kind of voice chat becoming more prevalent in gaming is, I think, an inevitable blend because people want to communicate. You know, it's a communication yeah. tool. Why would you want to restrict that? But I do see his point. If you do put it in the game, he will be kind of forced to use it. or He doesn't have to. He doesn't have to, yeah. I, I yeah. And,
1: and, and by denying using it, yes, he's gonna upset people. But people in high tier games are gonna ask you to use it anyway, and they're gonna call you an asshole faggot if you don't use it. Like people will get mad at you if you don't use it as well. Like, you, you, you're not forced to use it, but like, and they're gonna get over it. Mm-hmm. But the same thing in League and every other game today. Like, I, I think it, it enhanced the experience a lot. I, I, I like the voice chat when I play Heroes of the when I put when I play uh Overwatch. I think it's a logical step for for Heroes of the Storm to add it and it's going to happen regardless. And I think he's fighting against the the tide. And just I don't know, it's it's, it's I think, a silly title and it, yeah. I think a slightly different version. I don't think it's silly.
0: I think what he's saying will happen. So, for example, if they act voice chat or whatever, you know, minorities will be ridiculed, bullied, whatever you want to say, right? Yes. But but I'm arguing and this is controversial. Some people in chat have mentioned that people get bullied into suicide online, which is serious, right? But I really think that if you learn to deal with these kind of people uh you know, in a game like Hots, where they can't hurt you, right? Ultimately, yeah. this is not like they're PMing you on Facebook, like they have nudes of you and they're, they're like like uh, blackmailing you, or whatever. If yeah. you're playing a Hots game, right, and someone's like saying stupid shit, the level of um, damage they can do to you, or the you know, is so minimal, right? That I think learning to deal with these kind of people, difficult people, really dumb people, you know, is very important. I think they can walk away from that experience just mm-hmm. just more you know useful people uh, from that experience.
1: But also, don't you think there's this fundamental issue of like, yes, it's I don't like it, and I'm gonna feel bullied, so everyone else has to suffer. Like, does he not the do you not understand? People, a lot of people do want this, right? And the, even if he is a casualty of bullying, like let's assume it's a word that happens, right? Like, if everybody doesn't, everybody benefiting outweigh this one guy, you know, having or this one group of people having a bad experience, even though that, even though by the way, the game gives you the full tools to not participate in in voice chat. So arguably, there is no downside.
0: Yeah, and, and and the one like the one concession he makes is imagine um a, a party queues together, right? Like mm-hmm. like five people, all friends with each other, on each other's friends list. If they all queue together, he would enable. He would he'd be okay with hots having in, you know auto voice chat in that case. He just doesn't want to talk to randos.
1: He doesn't have to. You if, they, yeah. if they, he can just turn it off. And it can be off by default. Even look, I'm on you. Your- know, Lee, Lee has league has the all chat disabled by default. You know, but you can turn it on. <laughs> Yeah, ultimately, I think dealing with people is a
0: solution, okay, not the problem, even if yeah. those people are troublesome people, because you know what, in life, whether you work in an office, you know, you go to college, you're going to have the professor who's like literally trying to, you know, grab your booty or whatever, right, if you're a girl, yeah, you have to learn to deal with that one way or another, you know, and if you can, if you, if you, you know, deal with kind of annoying sexist people on internet, you know, playing league, that might equip you to deal with that situation if it ever confronts you in real life. You know, in, in a more you know, uh, intelligent manner. Uh, so I, I think it only help if we talk to each other, figure each other out. But
1: you know, there it is. It seems like common sense to me. Uh, voice, it, it, I think enhances the game too much to uh, to ignore. And you know, obviously, uh, I played uh, I played Overwatch a lot with Australia. I play with uh, and, and, and being a girl, when you speak with voice chat, like, people make fun of you right away you know it happens like, it's a real thing right but like, yeah yeah you, but you deal with it you know like she yeah. doesn't she doesn't get tilted by it and like mainly like she puts other people on tilt you know she, yeah. she goes on full aggro mode and it's hilarious you know like she can have fun with it yeah but that, that's the thing learn, I've,
0: that. I've i've actually played with several girls and they all handle it differently some handle it better than others and i think it's yeah. a learned trait so some one girl will open their mouth, and someone will be like ha ha girl stupid and then they'll just they'll be angry the whole game. And like they'll type stupid shit like, I bet you're a virgin. I hate you. And they'll yep. play worse. And they'll deserve a bad mm-hmm. time. Other girls will find ways to like turn it around or just be, you know, like. Yep.
1: So ultimately, it's about learning to deal with people. Yep. 100%. We mentioned uh, CSGO earlier. We got to mention this crazy story about that really expensive item in CSGO. Oh, yeah. I love the story. I, uh, put I put this take one it up, away, yeah. This This one's crazy. So,
0: you know, a few weeks ago, I made fun of... Uh, Final Fantasy players, fourteen players, for buying emotes, two dollars. No emote. emotes. To, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, But there was a story this week of somebody in Counter Strike paying sixty-one thousand fifty-two dollars and sixty-three cents for a Ooh. for a sniper skin. Mm-hmm. Now that to me is amazing. The guy who sold it, he himself did not, you know, open it. He he actually bought it himself for thirty-five thousand. So he made a he made a, he made thirty grand flipping uh, a. <laughs> <laughs> Virtual skin, skins. You know. Virtual guns. And the story of why this skin is worth so much, particularly, is it's from a loot crate that you could only get by spectating a pro game. Okay? So something happened, like a headshot or something, or, mm-hmm. or first, first kill, whatever. And uh, a random number of players watching received a loot crate. That, just a loot crate itself is worth 30 bucks in a Steam market Whoa. right now. Um, so he opened it. So whoever initially opened it, they got this skin. It's called uh, Dragon Lore. And I didn't know this actually, but skins in Counter Strike, they come with a with a quality rating.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So uh, most skins are battle worn, and what that means is they have uh, some scuff marks, wear you know, and tear, wear yeah. and tear, as it were. So if you guys can see on screen here, this particular one, Dragon Lore, is in mint condition, baby. All right, it's in this green zone right here, the all the way to the left on this uh, spectrum. So this was a primo quality uh, leak skin. And not only that, but the chests that you get for watching pro games, they come with stickers. Signature stickers of the players that are playing in that tournament. So this one got four uh, player stickers, and apparently the, the stickers themselves also have a quality rating. Like, they can be damaged.
1: <laughs> so
0: there's so much That's random... so bizarre. Yeah. And apparently all four stickers have 0% uh, wear. So they're all unscratched. So this is like a top quality super rare loot crate item drop. Uh, and it is costing someone who's willing to pay sixty grand for it. I think this is amazing. That is that is as much as a luxury car.
1: Brand new. Shield says I think anybody who buys these skins is on the spectrum too. <laughs> I don't think so. Not necessarily. Look, people that are buying this is an investment. The guy who bought this skin he bought for thirty five thousand mm-hmm. and sold it for sixty one thousand. That is a that is a quality return on investment. The guy made about, you know, twenty five grand in, in a short while a good chunk of change and i suspect if csgo is still relevant in a few years from now which i think it will be you'll have somebody probably paying 100 grand for this skin you know these, these, these virtual items are rare you know you, you can't get these anymore you know there's no unless they reintroduce reintroduce it to the market which is always a possibility but you know they're valuable you know no they can't get it skin because remember, like i said uh, it has stickers from the players that
0: participated in that particular oh, yeah, event yeah, yeah. so unless the exact same players on the exact same
1: teams are competing
0: you know in the same city or whatever but even then, it might be a year, like twenty fifteen. Wait, but,
1: but can't you re-buy one of the like? There's, there's still a few crates for sale. That you can buy for thirty bucks each and get lucky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You could do that. Yeah, you could do mm-hmm. that. Just like a slot machine pull over there. Buy one of those thirty dollars crates on the Steam Marketplace and try selling it. Try opening it for a dragon lore. Make sixty k.
0: Yeah. So uh, this was a cool story, I think, uh, and it, it shows how these are no longer microtransactions.
1: We're we're in the macro territory here. Oh, definitely, mm-hmm. definitely. Speaking of macro transactions. Uh, a mobile game, Fake Grand Order. Uh, Sony, I think a bank analyst said uh, Fake Grand Order made $1.1 billion in 2017. That is insane. And that, that game actually has, does a tremendous job of monetizing a broader base of users than most games. So they don't rely entirely on whales. They can actually monetize like a larger group of people than most, which I find really surprising because, I don't know, it's it's just another waifu collector to me. But the game is making over a billion dollars a year and it's expected to earn over a billion for the next uh, few years as well. Wow. Ooh, that's where the money's at, boys. I actually
0: haven't played this one because uh my old phone couldn't you know, has it had no storage left. But I have my new phone now
1: and I will try this game. Faker in order? Yeah. It's worth trying only because how it's so successful bad. yeah. It's there's a story in there. I think maybe people are playing for the story, but I don't know. I can't play a mobile game for the story. So I skipped all that nonsense. I don't think it will
0: grip me, but I don't want to write it off till I try it. Yeah.
1: I want to try that at the City game. So I have that one downloaded, the new one. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to try that because I like Final Fantasy as well. Plus, it's got all the characters in Final Fantasy 14, so, all the well known Final Fantasy characters in, in the entire universe. Lonely Chris25 is playing it right now. Oh, wow. I, I know so many people that spent money on that game too. So the, the article, the the analyst basically saying they, they capture a broad audience. And I know a lot of people in my free company that play that in Final Fantasy 14. And basically, so many people have spent money. There's actually very, I don't know too many people that play that game and haven't spent money. Like anyone I know that plays that game for like, more than like a week they end up sending a lot of money like a couple hundred bucks easy uh ft two thousand, yeah i mean it must be because clearly the story is a big sell in that game right here and a lot of people do like the you know, the fate storylines. i've never seen fate stay night but i have seen uh fate zero with my brother nice anything else we got this week for fun i mean there's uh speaking of mobile games we gotta mention this one because uh this game called crusaders of light it's a mobile and more pg oh it's nice. long- on steam on steam what a bizarre like turn of events yes it, it was just purely a mobile game it launched in, on fa- facebook game room like uh, in late 2017 and now the steam release coming uh, uh this march actually which i actually put in the because they didn't actually tell me But I emailed them i'm asking them and they said they're tentatively aiming for a march release so look at that video the game itself isn't terrible yeah i think it's just weird to see i think it, we yeah. showed this on on podcast before it basically looks like wow yep it's crazy a mobile version of wow and it's yeah. launching uh, on steam you don't you don't normally see mobile games launching on steam we've had uh that one final fancy game launch you've had a uh, world Tanks Blitz go from mobile to pc but not too many mobile games launched on steam i think there's a huge market for
0: uh well there is a huge market just for the emulators on um uh, for windows like the android emulators mm-hmm. what is that one we use uh we use we use nox 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 I think if if some company licenses uh, the rights to these mobile games on for PC, they're going to make a killing. Mm-hmm. Like even like Clash Royale, even if it's like 10% as big or even if it's 5% as big on PC as it would be on mobile, that
1: 5% you know is huge. Any any reason why you think they're not doing that? Like what if you go to like clashroyale.com or something, or the official website for these mobile games, why is there like a PC download button that when you click on it it just it just downloads a pre-bundled version of Nox or some emulator? And when you double click on your desktop, it, it just launches Clash Royale and you log in with your Facebook, boom, you're in. Like a PC version for every mobile game should be a thing already. We have the technology, you know?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know why I'm doing it. I think it'd be, I, I guess to them, like if you're super selling, you make like billions of dollars a year, an extra 5% doesn't really you know, really tickle your fancy, but.
1: Well, welcome back, uh, Kylo Ren. Oh, you really? Uh, Kyle, this is Altai's alter ego. You know, once in a while he just, he transforms into Kylo Ren and his voice just changes.
2: I think I know what it is. I think it's my cable. Um, I have to replace my cable.
1: I feel like you always think it's... I always thought like a problem is the cable, but it's almost never the cable.
2: It's cable. It has to be. Is it actually the cable? I think so.
1: <laughs> How about a mobile version of every PC game? Uh, Crystal VR, I think a lot of... I think some PC games would lend themselves to mobile versions, but I still feel like you're really limited on what you can do on mobile, which is why we've seen so many mobile and more RPGs kind of become very meh. They become very autoplay and, and very silly. You know... There aren't too many mobile MMORPGs which which feel like which I don't think ever replace a game like Final, Final Fantasy XIV in my heart or World of Warcraft or or BDO. But again, yeah, Black Desert Mobile is going to be happening soon too. So I'm I'm hoping games like Black Desert Mobile and, and RuneScape RuneScape Mobile I think is going to really change the the paradigm for mobile MMORPGs because it's going to be cross-platform compatible with the PC version. And RuneScape is is a real MMORPG. It's not all-to-play bullshit. You know, it, it's a real game. If that does well on mobile, it's going to hopefully nudge other and more pg developers other mobile game developers to, to go a little more hardcore angle because it works on runescape mobile maybe they'll, they'll think it'll work on their game uh it's there is um there are there are a bunch of if you played any of the there's a japanese company called Ezobimo. they make a few mobile mrpgs and, and none of them are autoplay none you have to play all of them like normally and they're actually pretty decent games so they're worth trying i think if you want to play a non-autoplay uh you a know, mobile MRPG. Uh, uh, VIP Rips, I have not really played Order and Chaos 2. My mobile MRPG repertoire, I've tried a bunch of games. I have not been able to really stay hooked on any mobile MRPG. My my, my MRPG poison of choice for the time being is still Final Fantasy XIV. And I'll probably be playing right after the podcast because I'm eager to get my hands on it. Because again, I've not been able to play because my cousins were over and I've not been on the PC enough. And I am really have to play, even though I have to relearn I have to I have to the rage reset yes uh, this morning, so I gotta do all the raid resets again. should be fun uh red sunking that's not I mean I think that's not necessarily true either I think people like the thing about mobile is people upgrade their phones very often like the average I think the average smartphone today in America like the average iPhone is stronger than the average PC. All right. Mobile devices are basically m- gaming devices now. The technology behind them is really impressive. CPUs and the GPUs on average are better than your average piece of shit integrated graphics card and, and CPU. People are buying. people are gaming on like 8-year-old Dell laptops and those are garbage. So the, techn- the the potential for for gaming on mobile shouldn't be bad. You no, know, the te- the the power is there. You just have the design around it.
0: Yeah, and actually having our uh, relatives over really made me realize how much of our, of our lives are on are phones right now there are certain people of you know, my brother and i's generation and subculture that basically they're they can sit in front of a computer for eight hours a day no problem and, and entertain themselves right yeah but i think for most people our age or younger or older it doesn't matter the, the phone is like their only access to the internet their only access to gaming their only access to uh news articles or or you know like stuff like that like they don't they don't read books obviously. They don't they don't read like desktop sites. That that phone is everything. In fact, one of our cousins, she was watching Netflix shows on her uh, phone while sitting in front of a 70-inch TV. So instead of watching TV on the TV, she felt more comfortable watching something on her phone. Uh, that that was telling for me. So these, these phones are going to take over, boys.
1: And uh, Ray says, if the average iPhone is more powerful than the PCs, uh, I think you're overestimating what, what people are rocking. Uh, over a quick Google search, uh, I found what, what the iPhone X, which is the newest iPhone, the CPU is actually more powerful than the newest MacBook Pro. And MacBook Pro is not a cheap, uh, that's like a top-of-the-line device, you know? And, and the, oh, the newest MacBook Pro, so you're comparing a new phone to the latest MacBook Pro. Not the Mac, the MacBook Pro, which is like an over $2,000 laptop and your iPhone's got better better CPU specs on it. And I, I think the average desktop or laptop, the average computer in America is pretty garbo-tier. Mm-hmm. If you know the source of that, we can look it up, but just look at you can look up the the, the the benchmarks on like even the 7 Plus or the 8 and compare it to like, find out how old someone's CPUs are and you can compare it that way. I've never tried the new Razer phone yet. I don't really game too much on my my, my, my phone I, read my, I I use my phone to read Reddit basically and I'm basically gaming on my PC for the most part I'm not quite I, I've, I've not fully embraced mobile just yet but who knows one day I might uh
0: yeah i I, I can't find it right now but there are benchmark sites uh, that yep. basically show that the newer phones are stronger in uh, single core and multi-core actually than mobile versions of Intel chips so the, the mobile version of the Intel i5, yeah, is weaker than the phone chip. But they're not yet at the level of the, the, the full desktop version. Mm. But they'll get there in a few years, I think. I actually have an Overwatch story, Omar, if you're interested. Alright, let's hear it. It's a little bit of a social justice article, so I want to see where you stand on this, Omar. If you agree or disagree with this ruling. So in their latest uh, community update, topic update thing, the Overwatch team has said, they will be going to social media, okay, to hunt for players' toxic behavior. So if you are toxic on like Twitter, maybe a YouTube video you uploaded, you know, mm. let's say you're just playing, you know, some uh, Overwatch and you say some silly shit, right? You put it on YouTube. That could get you banned.
1: Okay, hold the fuck up. I've heard this story and I gotta ask you a clarification because, um, do they ban you if you're commenting and you're being, you're being toxic? Or if you if, if, are they just enforcing their own rules? In the game. And, uh,
0: enforcing their own rules on the clip of the game you're playing.
1: Okay, on the clip of the game you're playing. If I'm not actually saying in-game, like, oh, my God, this Mercy is a faggot. Like, if I say that in YouTube, but I don't say it in-game, you know, I'm not pressing my push talk button. I'm just talking to my viewers on Twitch or I'm talking to my viewers on, on YouTube. And it's not communicating in-game. Will they ban me for that? Hmm. Because I don't think they're going to do that. They're, they're looking for YouTube and Twitch as evidence to ban you for breaking their rules in the game that they've already established. Because if they didn't catch you, if nobody didn't report you for talking shit in-game and they can detect that, that in your YouTube video you broke the rules, then I, I'm not so offended by it. But if, if they actually ban someone for, like, shit-talking on Twitch, not in-game, okay, that's that's absurd then.
0: I, I think I think it's both. I, I don't know. You're right. That's a good distinction to make. But I think if, if you're just yelling... Toxic stuff to your Twitch community while playing Overwatch. I think that can get you in trouble.
1: Ah, uh, that's pretty bad. I, I, I'm, not a fan of the direction they're going with that. Then,
0: but also, even if they're not doing what you said just yet, this is that's that's obviously the next step, right? From this, mm-hmm. and and I said it months ago, uh, when you when you defended this kind of stuff, if you start banning people, okay, for this kind of wishy-washy, spammy, toxic stuff, it's gonna just lead down to this. This is the next logical step from here.
1: Oh, that's a good point, too, because if, if you say, like, dumb shit as well, like, let's be real. Like, we've had games in Overwatch, in games of the voice chat, where the, where the your teammates are more conducive to, like, um like accepting of toxic behavior to a degree. Maybe, like, like you got to know your audience. Sometimes I'll be like, all right, faggots, let's go. Like, I'll say that in an Overwatch game to my teammates, because previously, I've, they're okay with me saying that, and they've said dumb shit as well, and then we've kind of connected that way, where it's not offensive, you know? Yeah. Sometimes it is, but, like, maybe it's like me and my three friends versus the three other friends, like... You can sometimes like say shit like that, and 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 no one's offended. Literally, no one is offended. And if you, if you get banned for that, I don't like it because if no one's reporting you for that, you shouldn't get banned for it. If if they're not reporting, they're not offended by it, and it's no problem. So I don't like that that direction they're going.
0: I just think this is this is the money shot right here. So Kaplan explained mm-hmm. that the team has taken to combing through YouTube and other social media websites for bad actors to take action against those accounts before in-game reports have been filed. This is like. This is like thought crime, you know, like the what's it called? What's that, what's that movie with um, Minority Report? Minority Report. You yeah. know, I, I, why are they doing this? I don't get it. I don't get it either. <laughs> it's a witch hunt. It,
1: it's literally a witch why hunt. Are there people that are not even reported. That are yeah. you know necessarily doing anything bad because if just you, again some games you can shit talk and and it's a win win for everyone. Like people like to shit talk sometimes.
0: I think it's a really troubling direction. It's sad.
1: Oh, it's it's again. It's gonna. I don't want my video games to be sterile. Mm-hmm. It's 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 not good. Like sometimes the toxicity and the and the randomness and the spontaneousness of it all kind of makes gaming an interesting experience. And if you take that away, it can really just dumb it down and get pretty boring.
0: Okay, so Hipson had an interesting counterpoint. What are you guys talking about? If there's a YouTuber that is making some kind of Overwatch series named "Throwing Matches, Trolling Players." and there's hundreds of videos of him trolling constantly should blizzard not ban him if they find the videos uh hipsan that, yeah
1: i say ban him for that no
0: hipsan but remember this this article specifically talks about taking action quote uh, against accounts before in-game reports have been filed so presumably if that guy's throwing matches maybe he's just uh making like a lobby room with his friends and then prote- it's, it's an act you know it's a skit in which case i don't think he should be banned
1: but, if and, he's and, actually throwing real matches online, yeah, I think you should get back. Well, but
0: I mean, presumably if that guy has hundreds of videos if I'm doing that, are you telling me he's never been reported? If not, then no, he shouldn't. If, if people don't report him, maybe they enjoy his company, you know? like I've been in games with throwers or trolls where I had a really good time. I was just laughing about it, you know, we're just having a good time.
1: Sometimes, yes, but usually I report them if they're, if they're oh, throwing.
0: Sure, so if he's reported, yes, then you should take action. But it should be based on that report. No, so yes, even if somebody has a YouTube video called Throwing Matches in Overwatch... And he's just throwing matches in Overwatch. If he hasn't been reported in those games, I don't think Blizzard should ban him.
1: Uh, no, I think if he's actually throwing matches. I say ban him. But wouldn't he be reported then? Uh, I don't know. So, I mean, uh, who knows? But it, 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 I don't know. But yeah, you, you you think he would be reported for it?
0: Yeah, exactly. So if he's reported for it, then you know they can do whatever they want.
1: But I just don't think the toxicity the part still kind of gets me. I, I don't report anyone for for voice chat if they're saying mean things in voice chat. That never offends me. Personally.
0: Well, you're just a white guy, white male, aren't you? My white
1: male privilege, guys, obviously.
0: That's that's a separate argument. Does does white privilege carry on to online games where you can't see the player's skin color?
1: You can hear their skin color, all You can hear it.
0: Sometimes, not always.
1: Not always, that's fair. Not always.
0: Any other stories before we move on to the post game?
1: We should go to the post game. I want to mention quickly that uh, Masang Soft is relaunching Raiders. Oh. Uh, no word on when that's going to happen yet, but it's it's interesting to see that an old game like this is going to get relaunched. I mean, they kind of committed to it. Um, Masang Soft are the guys that uh, they relaunched a bunch of old games, actually, which is kind of weird. Like They kind of specialize in relaunching oldies. See if we can find their website, but they did, uh, they published Guns 2 right now as well. And Raiders was made by Maya, the same guys that did uh, that did Guns. See what else they got? They got uh they got a lot of oldies. they got they got Ace Online. They got they're the guys that made DK Online. What the fuck? That game is, if, if that game is still around? i will be surprised. They own Ace Online. They own Fishing Hero. Like a lot of dead games now. Most of these are all dead. There's some games I haven't heard about on this list. They're 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 the guys buying Microvolts now. You know I'm pretty sure they didn't make Microvolts, but they're they're the ones publishing it now. So they, they kind of scoop up old games and just breathe new life into them. All right. But yeah, games coming back. It's a pretty shit company. Obvi- I mean, uh, Jerrigans, obviously. I mean, anytime you have a company scooping up old, dead games and relaunch them, they're kind of, you know, reaching at the bottom.
0: I, I got a quick fun story we can add, end on. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to I'm gonna go to our website. Maybe you guys know what this is. This is called Big Fish Games. Okay. All right, so this they have uh, these really awful games that you can play on your browser or on, on mobile. So let's just click one of their featured games. Okay, number one, Gummy Drop. Match three. So we're going to play some Gummy Drop. Oh, what is this? Oh, it's only a phone game. Okay, I can't play that one. Rip. We'll play this. Now, this company actually—I gotta make an account. Fudge. Okay. Well, you can see the graphics in the background. This site. Guess how much it got sold for? Or do you know the number?
1: Yeah, it was very—it was insanely big, like seven hundred million or something.
0: Nine hundred and ninety million dollars, guys. For Big Fish Games, can you believe it? I've
1: never even heard of them. Really? I never expected it.
0: This is like this. this, this, To me, this looks like one of those. Free arcade sites, right? Like there's like a million of them on the internet. But somehow this sold for nine hundred and ninety million dollars. What are we doing with our lives?
1: Uh good question. Big Fish Games is minting money, guys. We gotta, we gotta make our own uh, mobile game, or uh, shitty browser games. That's the play, boys. That's the play.
0: Jesus, this,
1: these make this this site makes more money than
0: like most MMOs out there.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's sad. And they're all, like, generic, copy-pasted, garbage, uninspiring games. You know, they don't, I don't think Big Fish is known for innovative titles. No. My right, mom used to play these games. Nice, Pankata. Uh, Lonely Chris, I actually enjoyed my crawls. It's That's one of the few games that south currently published that I actually played a good chunk of. And I actually played that game within the last year with some buddies on the MMO.com Discord. All right, and with that, let's take it to the post-game.
0: All right, thanks for watching, guys. Later for YouTube, Take guys. care.